Have you listened to the Supply Chain Scoop podcast? It's full of amazing interviews, and I was honored to have Priyanka, the host, as a part of my Woman in Supply Chain series, and that is part 15. She's bringing so much to the supply chain industry, so go and check that episode out. That's at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 47. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Thank you for tuning in as today our resident expert is back and we are talking about and giving you the tools to succeed. But before we get into that, I want to remind everyone that February, I am launching my new Woman in Supply Chain blog series. And the article was released last Thursday. And you're going to learn so much from my first Woman in Supply Chain on the blog series. Um, So before we do that, though, I am going to share with you a review from one of the listeners. And her name is Naomi She says, this July, I moved my career to supply chain and took on a senior content marketing position focused on logistics at JDA Software. Let's Talk Supply Chain is one of the podcasts that supported my ability to have a real dialogue about what's happening in supply chain and logistics and why it matters. The weekly podcasts give me visibility into how much disruption is happening in our industry and why it's an incredible time to help businesses deliver with changing competition, service levels, and and technologies. Let's Talk Supply Chain was one of the resources I found that made me fall in love with the complexities behind warehousing and distribution and the work there that makes everything possible. The Woman in Supply Chain series has become one of my favorites, and I agree with Sarah. Collaboration is the heart of business and and have enjoyed watching her and the podcast ascend. Thank you so much for sending that in, Naomi. And remember, everybody, you can rate and review the show on iTunes, on Stitcher, so other people can find us. And so now we're going to get to our listeners' corner of the week. So our question of the week comes from Angie Reno. Thank you so much, Angie, for sending this in. And she says, what does the impact of a container delay mean to you, your supply chain, and your business? We had a really great conversation happening over on the Let's Talk LinkedIn page, plus on the Let's Talk Instagram. Jenny Chickering says, loss loss of revenue per day if you're bringing finished goods. If it is machinery or raw material, the impact can be even greater. Angie Reno says, I cannot tell a lie. This question was inspired by Diane Gilman in the Change Agent podcast. And that link will be in the listener's corner on the listener's corner page. Irina Roska says this really depends on the type of supply chain planning cycles in the company. Container delays for new product launches can cripple the success of the product and depending on the impact ultimately hurt the brand. Tamara Nay Smart Abby says exactly. We must quit being on the defensive and rather find ways of getting the containers in on time. Timothy Duner in supply chains that are highly dependent on just in time shipping, a container delay can mean a 
lot of lost money, damaged relationships with buyers and retailers, and can paint you with a reputation of being unreliable, not to mention spoilage on perishables. Ray Hurley says with the ULCVs now in place calling specific ports, unfortunately, this may be more common occurrence due to the terminals not being able to move the larger volumes through their system. And over on in Instagram, your vendor Jit Singh says, if you are in B2B or B2C business, a small delay in container shipment can easily put an adverse effect on your relationship with your clients, which can further lead to poor business. To find out more about their answers, make sure to go to Listener's Corner on the website, letstalksupplychain.com. And if you want to get in on the conversation, please follow the page on LinkedIn, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Every Wednesday, I post a supply chain question and the conversations are amazing. So on today's show, Graham Robbins of Border Buddy and I are catching up on the resolutions we spoke about in the last episode. And we dive into mental health and keeping your sanity as a supply chain professional in this industry. I think we all need a little more of that. So welcome back, Graham. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so the last time you were on the show in December, we spoke about New Year's resolutions for your business. So tell us, how is that going for you and the team at Border Buddy? Yeah, well, it's been kind of an interesting, um, you know, couple of months going through this because what we did is we did a, we actually did a survey to confirm that our people wanted to do something like this. And then in the middle of this, we had a couple of things happen. Uh, I shouldn't say happen, but a couple of things um, that came up where we, we actually changed our holiday party from a December party to a January party. Um, and we, 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 did, we started looking at these things a bit differently and saying, okay, everyone does goal setting in January. There's, there's this New Year's resolution piece. And then there's this, this thing where people quite often fail their New Year's resolutions pretty quickly. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to create a bit of a, uh, I don't know if it's a fail safe, but we, so we're actually going to move our planning to March into the spring. And uh, so it was really kind of an interesting um, process that we went through to say, hey, you know, let's not just do this as a, a regular rhythm of things what people do. And uh, we were looking at a whole bunch of information and, and there's this thing, I don't know if you've heard of this, but there's this, the Monday that we just had, which was, um, sorry, Monday the 21st, which is the uh, third Monday in January. It's known as like the worst day of the year for people. So it's called Blue Monday. It's called the saddest day of the year. And it's caused by a combination of personal debt because you've racked up a whole bunch of debt over Christmas, bad weather, and you've already failed at your New Year's resolutions. So these three things together create this sort of bad environment in the, in the beginning of January. And I didn't think much of it until I started really looking into it. And we had a ton of people call in sick on that Monday. And, and that that's, for whatever reason, there's this, there's this you know, alignment of, of things that are going on that just are get people in a, in a weird mood or a down mood. So we, we looked at this information and have decided to make a shift into a bit of a, a better mindset for people and do it in the spring. 
That's great. And uh, I know what you say about January. You're, you're sort of, you sort of are, you know, stopped before you even start, especially when, when you hear all over the news on January 21st, it's that blue Monday and most people have already failed, which is not something that you want to hear then. And so I think that this is a good transition because spring is full of blossom, new life. Um, you know, it's warmer weather. You know, you sometimes get the rain as well. And uh, I, I'm with you on that one. I think that that is a really good timing for taking a look at some of the things that you want to accomplish. Yeah, and it, it's been... Um... And it's just been, I love getting, uh, like finding out this more information and learning about it. And, and so I think there's this sort of built in rhythm of, of these things that we're trying to buck a little bit. So if we can buck the trend a little bit and say, you know what, for whatever reason, January is a down, down month for some people. It's like, you know, if you've ever been married and you, you plan your wedding, sometimes you, you, you spend a year and a half planning the wedding and you, you know, the event happens and it's an amazing day. And this is sort of aligning to like the Christmas holidays and New Year's. And then, then it's all over. And then you're kind of going, oh, like, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit depressing, actually. A couple of days after you're going, well, we had all these people around. It was a great time. And now it's like back to reality. So um, and I totally agree with you, especially where we live. You know, it's dark. It's uh, the weather's bad. Come springtime, it starts opening up. The days are longer and you're just in a, in a better mood. So we're going to. We're going to move it there so our people's mindsets are stronger and better when they're looking at, at the future. I love that. Okay, so late last year, I posed a question on Listener's Corner um, about what people would like to hear more about in supply chain. And Brian from Chain.io, he mentioned mental health. And I'm so glad that he brought it up because not only, you know, in our day-to-day sorry, sorry, is this subject important, but also in our industry with so much more to do and learn, etc. So as a business owner and fellow supply chain professional, why is it so important from both points of view? Yeah, you know, I think, I think mental health is just really important uh, to discuss openly, you know, what, what I see happen is there's, I, I guess I'm feeling like an old person in this industry now because I've, I've, you know, this is our, you know, a and is our, you know, our core company has been in business for 40 years this year. I've been in this industry for 28 years now. And the way I sort of see the, the new versus the old is mental health wasn't really talked about. It's like, you know, I, I, I still hear people say, oh, I shut off my personal life when I'm at work. You know, I'm, I'm, when I'm at work, I'm at work. And when I'm at home, I'm, I'm, I'm at home. And I just don't think that's possible. I think that's total, you're fooling yourself. If your dog died this morning, you aren't going to be your normal self at work. You don't just shut that off. You know, you, you can't just go, okay, yeah, he died. And at 8 o'clock a.m., I'm going to be all good. Uh, I just, I, if you can do that, I don't think you're actually human. I don't think that's possible. So I think it's so important to talk about it and not talk about it as a weakness. People say, oh, you know, they look at it, mental health, if you've had a bad day, it's like, oh, aren't you tough? Aren't you strong? Can't you handle it? You know, that's, that's not at all how we think about it. So I think just talking about it, you know, from, from a business perspective, from a leadership perspective, is I have, to, I have to set the tone a bit and talk about it myself. You know, I have down days, I have bad, bad times, and, and um, you know, talk about how we can get, get through it. So I just think it's a huge, huge piece to, to talk about and sort of bringing your whole self to work 
and being able to talk about what's going on. Because if you're good at work, you're going to be good at home. If you're good at home, you're going to be good at work. So it's really important to just discuss openly and safely. Absolutely. And sometimes there are external factors. And I'm going to bring this up because I've had a very, very weird day and week this week. And I think it has to do maybe with that blood moon, wolf moon that we just had. What do you think? Well, I'm a bit of a believer in in energy. And, and, and I think there's this, you know, they do talk about, I go back to that Blue Monday, they talk about this thing being, you know, this time of the year. And um, I, I think once you actually can identify that there's something some forces or some powers out there, some energy out there um, that are sort of beyond your control. Once you just know that and can, okay, you can just go, okay, we're kind of in a funk right now. It's a weird time, you know, drive extra safe, you know, get better sleep um, because there, there are a whole bunch of people in the world are going through some, some weird, you know, weird energy right now, but we'll get through it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the next most important thing is to sort of talk about what we can do to get through that, you know, whether it's things that we can do ourselves, or maybe things that we can do as colleagues, or even leaders. And one of the things that I want to, you know, mention that is so, so very important is just to be aware I was talking to somebody yesterday and, you know, they were beating themselves up that, you know, they, they constantly have this, this one challenge, right, about their personality. And they were saying that the last time this happened, they didn't fight it quick enough or they didn't get over it quick enough or they didn't resolve it quick enough. And I just said to her, I said, listen, just be aware. Just being aware is the first step in, you know, um, changing things for yourself changing things for the other person, you know, maybe just being aware that another person is having some difficulties or things like that and sit in the awareness because until you're aware, you can't really do anything about it. Yeah. And I, and I, I agree. I think, I think when people start talking about it, you should really take the time to, to open up the conversation because I, I, I read something once about, you know, parents and, you know, they say, you know, if, if you even read a parenting book, you're going to be a great parent. Like, and because what it means is that you care and you're trying. So in other words, someone else that identifies that, you know, I've got an issue or I, I think I could be better. <clears throat> I had a friend that just posted on social media the other day. He was, I was such a jerk at 16, you know, 16 years old. So he's kind of reflecting on his, on himself um, and sort of learning, um, you know, learning what he could do to be, to be better, to improve. And I think once you, once you hear someone do that, you've got to really, grab that and say, Hey, you know, I was a bit of a jerk at 16 too. And then let's talk about it. And, and what have you learned? And, um, and just open up those conversations because it's really magical. I think when people can just open up and, and feel safe talking about it. Absolutely. So what do you think are the top three to four ways that teams and companies can do, or maybe even implement to work together on mental health? I think for me in, in my role as a, you know, a, leader of an organization and a bunch of people, I think for me talking about it myself, so making it safe to talk about it, talk about it publicly, um, sort of dig, dig down a little bit without, if someone doesn't want to talk about it, you know, you're not forcing them, just make it safe and easy to talk about. And so something that I've talked about, I think on this, on your podcast before is, you know, my mom passed away um, when I was in my thirties 
Um, it was very, very difficult for me. I would call it some of the first adversity that I'd ever faced. I had a pretty, you know, easy life growing up. And, um, and then, you know, my mom passed away basically a year after I got married. She never got to see my kids. Um, you know, so a whole bunch of things, but I saw a counselor. So I talk about that. I saw a counselor and I learned a whole bunch about, um, I was seeing a counselor actually as she was dying, she had cancer and I was seeing a counselor and it was so helpful to me. And then, so I think there's a stigma around counseling. Like, you know, what happened when you got in trouble at school? Oh, you went to the counselor's office or you went to this office. It's like, it's like, if you have trouble, this is where you go. And so, uh, my wife and I, we go to a marriage coach. I call that she's called a marriage counselor, but I call her a coach because I like to say we go there for for improvement, not you know, we're not sitting there in the penalty box, so to speak. So it's um, you know that's something I talk about too. I said, hey, if you're having troubles with your partner, you know, go. I, we go we go there and do that before date night, and it just makes the evening fun. So so then you take this and you go, okay, what else happens in our life? You know, someone dies in your life, you you need help. You get a divorce. Get counseling, get your kids in counseling. Your parents are aging. This is really hard. You got your own kids and your parents are, are, are slowly getting worse. You got to talk to somebody. We have these massive events in our lives that people think we can just suck it up. Um, and then, you, then you, you talk about mental health versus like regular help. You know, we get help everywhere else in our lives. You hire, I'll give ourselves a plug, you know, you hire a customs broker, a freight forwarder, you hire a lawyer, an accountant, a web page designer, a personal trainer because you're not strong in these areas, right? But when it comes to mental health or your feelings, you're just going to go it alone. It just doesn't make any sense to me to um, bury those that stuff. And, you know, I think it's way easier to clear shipment through customs than it is to, you know, process your emotions of losing a parent or something like that. So, you know, I, I just think the the way you can way you can really talk about mental health and make, you know, give people some light is by saying, Hey, we all have our own issues, but you need help with it. Don't try to go it alone. It's, it's brutal. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think, you know, in this industry, there is, there's a lot of stress, right? This is a 24 seven industry um, where things absolutely do go wrong. Um, because there's lots of people involved, there's lots of travel involved, distance involved. Um, when there's a you know a shipment on the water, a shipment leaving overseas, there is uh, language barriers, mm-hmm. and there is pressure from the top, you know, to cut costs, or the pressure from the customer to make things go quicker, to to have delivery to them quicker. So I think in this industry, um, we deal with a lot of pressure. We deal with a lot of stress. We have the problem-solving skills. I think that's what attracts a lot of people to this industry is the problem-solving aspect. It's almost like every day is not the same, which is great, and a lot of people like that. Um, So as a supply chain professional, though, how do we deal with that stress, what are some of the most important things? And the things that come to my mind uh, for that is to take vacation, you know, make sure you take those vacation days because I think that that, whether it's a staycation or you go away on vacation or whatever that looks like for you, it doesn't, it doesn't need to look like anything, but just so you can unplug. Um, I know that some companies don't allow you to take work phones on vacation. And I have some mixed feelings about that because I think that it might cause a little bit more stress when you come back, but you can, 
you can sort of talk about that and maybe rebuttal in, in, in a second. But other things like mental health days, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, or even in the morning, teams getting together and doing some stretching or some meditation. Yeah, you know, you've hit on a whole bunch of things that I think are, are super important, you know, um, take, you know, taking vacation, you know, I will never for the life of me understand why people don't take vacation. It, you know, it just boggles my mind. I, I take every single day of my vacation and more. And, and someone say, well, you can, you're the owner of the company. And I go, well, that makes absolutely no sense because everyone here gets paid vacation. So I, I hear about people take, not taking vacation and I just, I, I just do not comprehend it. Um, so we, we really encourage our people to take vacation. We, um, we started something late last year where we, we actually remove everyone from email and uh, we use Slack for internal messaging. So we actually deactivate ourselves. I, I took two weeks vacation recently and completely removed myself from Slack and didn't receive one email the whole two weeks. And I mean, it's amazing. And, and yeah, it, you could say it causes some anxiety for some people at the beginning because we're like, oh, well, how do I stay in touch? Well, it's, it's so important for your team to know that you trust them. So I was away for two weeks. I had no email. And I, so I rely on the team. That's, what they're, that's why we have a team, right? It's so that we can support each other. And so uh, we want to send the message from the top that you take your vacation. You don't check email. You don't check Slack. We've got this for you. Um, that, that way you're disconnected and you can, you know, you can get your head clear of, of the normal day to day. Yeah, I, I do have a little bit of mixed feelings, but I, I completely get your point. Um, but then I also feel like you're also like rushing to catch up when you get back, um, depending on what role you play and, um, you know, what, what your work day kind of looks like. So, and I just wonder if you had a little bit of access, whether you worked on a few things, if it would you know, bring down that stress level when you got back of how many things you have to do and deal with when you get back. Yeah. And I think, I think what you were talking about mental health and that, that feeling like that always on feeling like I have to do this, I have to do that. I really think that, you know, one of the things that I like to do is I actually keep a log of things that I need to get involved in, or I, I feel like I need to do. And then I, and then I review those all the time and say, okay, should I actually be doing that? Am I bottlenecking things by doing that? Who else on the team can do that? Um, who likes to do that? Maybe I don't like doing something, but they do, and, and they don't like doing something, and I do. So we can switch tasks and switch responsibilities in some areas. So I just think that um, I think there's a, actually a bit of false sense of, of how urgent some of these things are. It's like you're just on a treadmill all the time that you can't jump off of. I just, I don't, that's not really living. You know, that, that's, like, that's like being a hostage to your work. Yeah, no, I, I can see that and definitely agree with that. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about what a mental health day looks like. I, it doesn't get talked about enough. Um, and I think that now the conversation is getting started. I think people are talking about mental health more, which is why we're talking about it on the episode today. And so what does a mental health day look like? Yeah. And for me, I, I think everyone is obviously different, but I'm a big believer in, you know, doing something that makes you happy. And there's times 
or, or, or thoughts that go through your head sometimes about happiness and, and like, you know, am I happy? And you hear people say, oh, you should be happy. You're lucky or you're fortunate or whatever it is. But I actually don't believe that being happy is actually a thing. Like you can't actually just be happy. I think you have to do things that make you happy. So you have to do things that make you get your head clear, make things that, or do things that, that make you relax. And so there's a big difference. Some people think, well, I should just sit there and be happy, but no, it's like, what, what makes you happy? Do you like walking your dog? Do you like going for a jog? Do you like, you know, having a beer on a patio somewhere? What actually brings you joy and what, what, what activities do you do? Read a, reading a book, knitting, whatever it might be. What are those things that you do that you just go, wow, I, I don't do that enough. So for me, if I'm taking a mental health day, sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm, I'm skipping out work, but I might go and do a spin class or, or go do something that I'm, when I'm, if I do a spin class, I walk out of there, my endorphins are going, I'm feeling great. And I am always going, you know, I should do that more often. So, and, and so it actually brings you that positive energy. Uh, so I really think that, um, you know, writing down and, and knowing what you, what you're doing, what makes you happiest and figure out what it is and how can you do more of it? Yeah. And it's going to look different for everybody. Um, so I like the fact that you're, you're saying that, that, that mental health day is really focused on doing things that make you happy. Um, and sort of forgetting everything else, you know, re-energizing and, uh, you know, taking the next day sort of head on. So part of mental health, um, I find, is also time management. Because I think that, and we're going to get to technology and social platforms in a minute, um, because those can be extremely distracting. We talk about going into the holes when we're on social media platforms and stuff like that. And I think that um, time management skills are so very important to mental health. Because I think that if we all had better time management skills, it would just lower the stress and, and things like that. So how can we utilize time management skills to help with our mental health on a daily basis, do you think? Well, so I, I have a theory on time management. I, I think that, by the way, if you haven't watched it yet, you have to go to YouTube and watch Bill Gates and Warren Buffett talk about time management. It's one of the best clips you'll ever see. They pull out Warren Buffett's calendar. It's like for the month of April, and he's got two things on it. And again, I always feel like people say, well, of course, he's one of the world's richest people. He doesn't have to do anything. I, I actually completely disagree with this. I think that time management, people jam their calendar full of stuff. They, they have all these meetings and events and boards of trade and, you know, socializing and, you know, networking events. And so they just fill up their calendar with junk. And, and you ask yourself, what is, is this actually helping me achieve my goals? Is this, is this event, is this thing, meeting, this call, this, whatever it is, is it helping you achieve your goals? So do you know what your goals are, first of all? And then, you know, are you, are you utilizing time management skills to achieve those? So there's a lot of, you know, Mark Cuban's, a great person to say, I don't take a meeting unless someone's writing me a check, you know, and, and, and that, again, you talk about, okay, well, yeah, he can say that he's a billionaire, but I, I think that there's, there's more to this than people think. Like I get calls and just like you would on LinkedIn, someone reaches out, they connect the next thing you know, they say, can we, can I have a call tomorrow? 
Like, no, you can't have a call tomorrow. <laughs> you know, is, are you going to help me achieve the goal for our company, for our people, for my family? Um, so I really think it's, it's not just time management. It's like, it's like aligning your time to your goals. So are, is that time that you're doing aligned to your goals? One of the applications I'd love to see, by the way, for any software developers is if you could, every time you make a calendar uh, schedule on your calendar in Google or, or in Outlook or whatever you're using, is you should, you should, it should have a drop down about what goal is this aligned to, this meeting. Because you're going to spend an hour on this or an hour and a half or two hours and what goal is it aligned to? And if it's not aligned to a goal, it's just like spinning wheels. So I, I you know, I could go on and on about this one because I feel like I just see, I have friends that they're, they're, they seem to be at every event um, and they're just like, yeah, my wife's mad at me because I'm never home with the kids. Um, but I'm like, what are you doing at a board of trade meeting at nine o'clock at night having bad appetizers? Um, and, and what are you getting out of it? You know, what is it? Did it help your business? Did it help your relationship with your family? Um, I think you have to really question that before you look at, you know, managing your time. It's, it's, it's really prioritizing your goals. I like that. And from a high level, I think that that is really some great advice. But maybe on a daily basis, um, I know that you have a few things that you do, like batch emails, and you can talk about that in a minute. But I know for for me, I use sort of a system called prioritizing and shifting. Mm -hmm. So I write out the list of things that I have to do. And if I don't get to the ones near the bottom or even in the middle or, you know, things happen, life happens, and maybe I barely even get to, you know, a couple of those things during the day, I don't beat myself up on it. I really just take it and I shift it to the next day. And I say, you know what, I can get this done the next day or even the next day after that. And I just shift it over. Yeah, and, and I think that's great. And, and the, the other thing that we do as a company, and, and I, I have some personal um, sort of rules as well, but uh, on a business side, you know, we have our priorities for the quarter and no person has more than, say, four priorities. And there's this, there's this sort of thing that says, you know, okay, I've got actually 25 things I need to do. So if you've got those four priorities and you've got 25 total, well, the question is, when do you work on those other 21 priorities? The answer is you don't. <laughs> you don't work on those other 21 because you've already determined that those four are the biggest issues you have to deal with. If you try to do a little work on all these other things, you'll never get the big things done. So, you know, to your point about prioritizing, it's like, what is the biggest thing that I need to do in the short term to reach the goal? And you just don't pay attention to anything else. You just don't don't do it because you'll, you'll be mediocre at that. And then your big things won't get done either. And you'll just be constantly sort of spinning your wheels. And what about your batch emails? Did you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So here's, here's something I find it really interesting just coming off of holidays. So I was off um, for two weeks. I didn't receive one email. And when I got back, I, I, my out of office is very clear that says, you know, if it is an emergency, you can go to my director of operations. And then secondly, if it's not urgent, resend it uh, this week when I'm back. And I've received two emails of resends. And one of them was from you <laughs> and, and another resend. So none of it was urgent. So what, what does that tell you? I actually came back saying, why am I even using email? You know, email so, but, you know, I, I could go on about that, but the, the, the batching, so I have emails delivered three times a day, 6.30 a.m., 11.30 a.m., and 3.30 p.m. 
And I mean, if I didn't answer any one of them, which I didn't for two weeks and nothing happened, I didn't lose a customer. Um, you know, I didn't, there's just nothing happened. So I started to really question like email is someone else's to-do list. Email is, is a, you receive this thing that has nothing to do with, with your goals or your, your priorities. So I'm just crossing things off other people's to-do list by answering all these emails. Um, so I, I'm just, I'm questioning altogether, you know, this, this communication. You, I, I feel like we should go back to the sixties, uh, when IBM did really well in 1960, by the way, with no email and no Slack and no social media. Um, so, you know, I, I just think that we spend a lot of time doing trivial little things and we feel that because we're busy doing them, we're accomplishing things, but I would, I would really question that. Great point. Great point. And that's a really good segue into my next question, because I want to ask you, you know, how can we use technology and social platforms to give us time back in our day, but still stay connected? And one of the reasons and the examples that I want to sort of talk about, too, is instead of driving to meetings, we have so much access to all of these technologies because driving to meetings to me is a lot of wasted time um, on the road when we could be doing these meetings by video, by conference call, that kind of thing. So what do you think? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I just had a, you know, a Skype call this morning and I think this is still interesting. You and I have never met. <laughs> so we, we, ha- and I feel like I really know you and, and we have never seen each other in person. And, and so technology can do a lot to stay connected, to keep us connected. And, um, I think what happens is people think that you can't build a relationship over, over technology. And I'm not saying it's a replacement. I think face to face and the nuances and facial expression and body language is super important. Um, but there's so much you can do once you have a relationship going, you know, I, I, we have customers all over the U S and, and, you know, it's like we, we can do video conferences with them and talk with them uh, because we, some of them we've met before, but you don't need to be, you know, taking this huge long trip a lot of times you go fly across the world and you see somebody for 90 minutes um and and you're you're drained your energy you're away from your family and friends you're away from your you know your work so i think that technology with those things especially um connecting with people voice even just voice calls uh video calls that that can really help you stay connected social platforms is another story i just I've, I used to be a big uh, person on, you know, say social media or uh, Instagram and Facebook. And um, I went off them completely in 2017 and I don't really look back. I heard someone say the other day, actually on Instagram, speaking of mental health, he said, everyone on Instagram is richer, better looking and in better shape than I am. Um, you know, how am I going to feel after seeing that all day? <laughs> and, and so I think social media is, is, is just the, it's, it's sort of the, the best look of everyone's life. It's not, it's not reality, but I do love LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is great. I, I really stay connected with, with, um, you know, the industry and colleagues and stuff like that. Um, and sharing information and learning, you know, I really, I think that's really a great piece of technology to stay connected. 
Absolutely. And, you know, different social platforms are going to be for different people, depending on what those goals are that we talked about before. So lastly, what is the most important takeaway you would like supply chain professionals to take from this conversation? And maybe maybe you can throw something in there for business leaders as well. Yeah, you know, a lot of this conversation has been around, you know, mental health and, and um, you know, connectedness, I guess. And I, again, I, I read a lot and, and learn a lot. And I think one of the best things I've heard about this sort of balance, which I don't really believe in balance, I believe in energy and, and, and you know, being happy, you know, doing what you can do to be happy. But there's this saying about sort of health, you've got these sort of uh, balls that you're juggling all the time. It's health, friends and family, and work, you know, you're kind of juggling all these things. These these three things are like, you know, I got to get to the gym, or I got to be healthy, I got to hang out with my friends and family, and I got to be good at work. And there's a saying that says, you know, some of these balls are made of rubber, and some of them are made of glass, right? So the glass ones are your your health and your family and your friends. If if you let all that go into the ditch, those those balls when you drop them, they, they break. But I find that business is it's it's a rubber ball. If, if you miss a day. You miss a week. You miss a couple weeks. Um, you know, it shouldn't ruin your business. If you if it does, if you can't be away from your business for a for a day, that's a whole another challenge that I think you can get help with. Um, but you know, if if you're um, if you're spending all that time on your business and, and it doesn't bounce back, then I, I don't want to just throw that away. But it it, it should be made of rubber. It should bounce back. And there's this other thing that I think about you know, about workaholics and working so much, you know, I just think that again, another quote is, you know, do you know any workaholics that need to be workaholics? I think some of the most successful people that we see, they work the most hours, they travel the most, they're away from their families the most, but they actually don't need to be, you know, they don't actually really need to work that much. Um, and I, so I really feel that, that those juggling those balls, those three areas of health, uh, friends and family and work, that actually work is the least important because if none of those other ones are right, then your work, it doesn't matter. You just be sitting there staring at yourself at the office because you're, you you do not have any family or friend relationships and your, your health is bad. So that, that's my, my take on this is like, make sure that you're really healthy, mentally, physically ideal as well, but, and, and, and do things that make you happy. You know, uh, work is, work should be just kind of fun and, you know, let's have some fun doing it, set some goals, but it's, it shouldn't be life or death. So there you have it, community. Take mental health days, work with your teams on time management, and talk with them regularly to make sure everyone is in a good headspace. Also, make sure to take care of yourself. You have a major role to play, not only in your life, but in the lives of everybody that you touch on a daily basis. I hope that this episode has been thought provoking and has given you some actionable steps to take in your life. I will have more information, including show notes at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 50. Plus, you can learn more about Border Buddy at borderbuddy.com. Thank you so much, Graham, for coming back on the show and sharing your thoughts, insights on this very important topic and being your authentic self. Thank you. It was fun. 
If you liked this episode, go and check out the episode I did with Dr. Callum, and that was in season one. He talks about the importance of cortisol levels and food sensitivities on your mental health to keep you healthy and sharp and everything that you need to do your job in supply chain. On next week's episode, I am speaking to Richard at SAP about who they are, how they can help you, plus how to transform your supply chain for the digital economy. Remember to help support the show, rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher so other people can find us. I also have a supply chain dictionary over at letstalksupplychain.com under shop. It's 107 pages of acronyms and definitions that you need to succeed in supply chain. Uh, Go and join the conversation on LinkedIn, Instagram, on Twitter, and Twitter. Every Wednesday, I post the supply chain question, and the conversations are amazing. You want to get involved in that. And go to ships.com. That's S-H-I-P-Z dot com. And be one of the first people to know when we are ready to launch. We are getting close. We are working hard. We are fine tuning things. We are talking to people in the industry to make sure that we are giving you what you want. Thank you so much for tuning in and for all your support. I hope you have an amazing day. And remember everybody, ship happens.